If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for the van to come. Oh, friend, have you seen where my golden tickets be? Welcome back to Fast Forward. This is LGBT History Month and on campus at Tech Manchester and UK Fast, we've been recognising that throughout February. We know that diversity and inclusion is one of the biggest challenges facing the tech industry, whether that's from the talent pipeline right through to products and services. And it's no secret that when a business consists of people from different backgrounds, they find more diverse ideas, perspectives and considerations. My guest today are helping to give the LGBTQ community a voice within their own organisation. So welcome today, Ebony Crow and Rob Rawcliffe. Hey, thank you for having us. Thanks so much for coming in, everybody. Um, can't wait to hear your stories. And that's what we're going to get straight into. Um, we love to learn a bit about the guests and what's brought you here today. So, Ebony, why don't we start with you? Tell us a bit about you and uh, what you do at UK Fast and what brought you here to join us on the podcast today? Um, so it's just an amazing opportunity to be here and uh, be able to kind of give voice to such an important topic. Um, I'm a lesbian. Um, I've been working at UK Fast for nearly three years now, and I help look after some of our technical recruitment. Nice. And Rob, what about you? Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been at UK Fast for nearly six years now. I'm a gay 31-year-old man from Manchester, um, and I run the Enterprise Windows team who look after the top clients at UK Fast, uh, and also look after the uh, senior engineers who uh, sit underneath me. I see a lot of both of you around the campus uh, and in the gym, but um, I guess I probably don't know a lot about you before UK Fast. So I was wondering, could you maybe share with us, um, Rob, let's start with you, about sort of where did you start your career? What were you doing? How did you get end up in UK Fast? Um, were you openly out at the time or, you know, or not? Why not? Or what happened? I think you, you're generally uh, openly out and openly in at different points during your life, depending yeah. on what you're doing uh, for your job or who you're socialising with. Um, but yeah, I uh, left school, went to do some IT practitioner course at college. Uh, only lasted a year and dropped out because um, it wasn't as advertised, shall we say. Uh, I went off to do a sales role for a month, realised I'm not a salesperson <laughs> <laughs> very quickly. Uh, so we mutually agreed to uh, terminate uh, my contract. And then I started working um, at a local computer shop um, I'd already had interest in uh, gaming. I'd been building my own PCs for a few years by this point. Uh, so I was 17 at the time. And uh, the computer shop I used to go into, uh, the guy asked, um, you know, if I wanted to start there and, and just start packing stuff to mm. send out to eBay. 
And then bit by bit, he started giving me more and more stuff. And then I ended up uh, running one of his shops in Sale. Uh, that was for eight and a half years. Um, and because I'd known the people there uh, for quite a number of years before I started working for him, um, they knew I was gay and it was, wasn't even really coming out. It was yeah. more, yeah, we just know. Yeah. Um, so I never really had to come out. And it was a very small company. There was only like three or four of us. So it made it super easy to be yeah. comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. So it was kind of like an organic thing. That, Absolutely, yeah. You know, people knew you and everybody kind of just didn't didn't need to be talked about kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Did that continue on after the computer shop or did you come here from the computer shop? Yeah, so um, I came straight here uh, from the computer shop. I've been looking for an opportunity to move on for a while, not because it was any sort of bad blood or anything like that. It was just wanted to progress and try something different. Yeah. Uh, running a computer shop uh, compared to web hosting is completely different. New challenge. Um, so when I started here, it was a bit daunting because I'd never worked in uh, a big office environment before with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was sort of dreading the question of like, oh, have you got a girlfriend or whatever? <laughs> and thinking, how am I going to answer people that? Still, do people still assume that? Do people make those assumptions still? Yeah. You think, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't think there's any malice behind that. It's no. just, you know, people trying to make conversation, they're trying to be nice, yeah. and they don't necessarily want to... Uh, insinuate that you're you're perhaps gay or lesbian by sort of asking a leading question like that mm. so they'll just go with what what's considered you know yeah the, just it's not even it's lack of awareness probably it's not even a thought that yeah. crosses their mind so yeah. for me it was decision of trying to think about right when i get asked that question because someone's going to ask it at some point do i say yeah i've got a girlfriend um at the time i actually had boyfriends so i was like I'm gonna just pretend that i've got a girlfriend and then change my mind later on it or should i uh, just say, yeah, I've got a boyfriend and just sort of, you know, mic drop and see what happens with that. <laughs> uh, so I went for the latter and, yeah, yeah it was fine. There was yeah. no reaction to it. It wasn't like, oh, okay, yeah. um, didn't realise you were gay or anything like that. They were just like, okay, well, what's yeah. his name? And uh, the experience at UK Fashion in general has been really, really good. Uh, I've never had any adversity or anything like that or felt like anybody was being prejudiced towards yeah. me. So It was just that kind of something that you built up in your mind, that concern. But not just that, it's yeah. that whole new environment that you're in. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of doing that and we get into our own heads about stuff and then when it actually comes to it, we realise it wasn't a big deal. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Emily, what about you? Hi. Yeah, so I left school and started working in a health club um, as a sort of a junior fitness instructor. Um, and it's interesting because by that point I was only 17 and I'd known that I was a lesbian for years and years before that but at that time I really struggled with it actually um and struggled really being myself even though the people there they were great they were lovely but um I really struggled with it internally I think not because I received any prejudice or I worried so much um about it it was more would someone accept me I had a lot of struggle with whether my mum would have accepted me and she isn't around anymore um but when I did come out, I did end up coming out there um, because I'd met someone at the time and I just physically couldn't hide it anymore. And they were like, oh, great, wonderful. And all of a sudden, like, I was just like, oh, brilliant. You know, I yeah. could be myself. And um, I then decided to go and do a degree, which is how I ended up here in Manchester. Um, and I was working full time as a complaint handler at the time. Um, I did a degree because I thought it would really um, allow me to to I guess have not necessarily a better career but a different one at that time I'd worked in gyms and prior to that in a call centre so I did a degree and then applied for a marketing role here um, 
and they actually said, no, you'd be really great with people. That's how I ended up in tech recruitment. And um, yeah, here it's just been amazing. I've always felt like I could be exactly who I am. It's it's not even something I really think about, to be honest. Um, you know, I haven't, I have to say no one's really presumed I've had a boyfriend, mm. um, which is interesting. But yeah, I've always felt like I could be myself. It sounds like anxiety um, played a part in both of your earlier stories. Yeah, definitely. Um, how much stress and, and impact do you think that has on your sort of your your mental well-being? I know we talk about mental health quite a lot um, in terms of that sort of internalisation of, of that anxiety. Yeah, I mean, going back to when I felt like that, it just, it's such a weight to carry on your shoulders. You just feel like you're, you're just behind a mask all the time. It's... Mm it's really tough to live that way. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really, really tough. Yeah. Rob, what would you add to that? I mean, generally my experiences, uh, have always been really positive. Um, I guess there is the term straight acting, uh, which some people agree or disagree with, yeah. but, uh, people consider me to be that. And sometimes it's a surprise when I come out as being gay. So it kind of does, um, you know, it allows me to go about my life without um, getting some sort of insults or stuff mm. like that, that other people who are friends, gay friends, lesbian friends, who, uh, you know, it might seem a little bit more obvious, they maybe a little bit more flamboyant, mm-hmm. um, and that they've got really bad abuse from people in workplaces and, you know, out and about, whereas I've never really experienced that myself. I've been very lucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, generally, uh, my sort of coming out story, um, whatever that might be with whoever it was, uh, I've had pretty decent reaction with the exception of my dad initially, but um, I think we talk a little bit more about that later. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the tech industry then and how it's changed um, since you've been part of it. And do you think that it's changed in the time that you've been involved in it? And um, do you think that's driven by the tech industry or has it been driven by changes in society? Hmm. He wants to take that one. Um, I'd say it's it's probably been driven by, you know, obviously there's constant innovation. Um, you know, the open source community is absolutely amazing and people are just starting to develop new things and businesses are latching onto it like, oh my goodness, we're missing that skill set. We, we need that. So I think I think it's driven a lot by the people. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think external factors as well, like, you know, society is changing. Uh, in a positive way and you know a lot more companies are getting involved with like uh, pride events and uh, you know volunteering charity work uh, for LGBT um, so yeah I'd, I would say that in the tech industry um, you know it it does attract uh, lots of different type of people and um, I think as companies and society moves forward and becomes more open and liberal and uh, people start to see that uh, they're not on their own and it does take some brave people out there, especially uh, in the decades gone by, to stand out and, and sort of, you know, come out openly to show younger people and also older people, you know, who traditionally might have been scared to come out that it's fine to be who you are in the workplace um, and, you know, all, all the time. Um, so in terms of how tech's changed, um, I'd say it's, it's changed a, a fair bit. And there's definitely a lot more women now in tech, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you get fast yeah. and Tech Manchester do a lot of work to make sure that, you know, we are inclusive um, and that we're getting lots of different communities involved in tech. So Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think there's a lot more visibility and just the mindsets of people have become more open, so... There's definitely a lot more conversations about diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Certainly, it seems to be the hot topic um, for the last couple of years. Yeah. And Ebony, you mentioned there about the talent pipeline and the skills gap, I think, has been one of the things that have yeah have maybe driven people to actually look at it and realise yeah, no, that's, you yeah. know, that is one of the areas that we have a, have a challenge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's there's so many women that are itching to get into tech, but, you know, when I've spoken to women, they have experienced maybe environments that are more male-driven and don't feel necessarily as comfortable to, to go into it. But mm. a lot of companies now, they are of the mindset that if someone's got the talent, we'll take them. So it's definitely shifted. Um, and I think that that that's a driving force in in companies being like actually no we do need to be more open and diverse we're missing out on all this talent because yeah. we only want to hire this type of person but now companies are not necessarily in that position to pick and choose so it's they've kind of opened up to be like oh actually okay it's definitely been i think the probably one of the benefits of the success and the sort of this growth that's happened uh, explosion i suppose in terms of the demands that the tech industry have had because yeah and um, when I've looked back at the research to find to try and find statistics and measurements for us to measure up to, uh, you know, internally as a business compared to what's going on in the sort of in the wider world. Um, when you look back to 2015, it wasn't really talked about. Um, yeah. it, it was just the start of the noises saying that there was a skills gap. And then the following year in 2016, Manchester Digital Skills Report um, did measure um, gender in the talent pipeline. It was the first time oh. that gender had been meant uh, had been measured, and last year, yeah, was the first time that they measured um, ethnic minorities. Um, so it's it's it sounds like it's progressive. It sounds like we're all on a journey, both externally mm. and internally. Yeah. Um, and but there's still quite a lot of work to do. Um, now, Rob, you have been doing some internal awareness talks and studying the history books. And looking at some of the key dates for LGBTQ uh, plus rights. And as this is LGBT History Month, um, I thought you might uh, help us and educate educate us all with uh, something new and tell us a bit about them. Yeah, so um, it, it was quite a learning uh, curve for myself. There's a lot of stuff out there that, you know, I didn't realise uh, had happened in the past sort of 50, 60 years. Uh, so it's quite a journey to go through this. Um, a lot of the information I pulled from the Stonewall website, which has a really good comprehensive list of, mm -hmm. you know, activism stuff and laws and around the world. Um, a lot of the stuff I was looking at was focusing on the UK. Um, and if you sort of go back to, uh, you know, the 1950s, homosexual acts had been illegal for a number of centuries in, in the UK at that point. Um, you had like the buggery laws and stuff like that. And um, women were were largely not legislated against. Um, maybe that's something to do with a uh, male heterosexual dominated world. <laughs> um, who knows? Um, but they're yeah. just in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps keep them in the scullery. <laughs> um, but we have uh, houses at UK Fast. So there's four houses, and they're uh, each headed up sort of by a historical figure who relates some in some way to computing and what we do at UK Fast. Uh, I actually am in uh, Alan Turing's house. And as some people may or may not know, um, he was uh, he was fundamental in helping uh, crack the encoded Nazi communications during World War Two. Um, and you know, some people say that led to the war ending two to three years earlier than what it did. Uh, but he was actually a gay man, um, and at that time, it was not really something that was discussed. It was taboo. 
Um, it was still illegal then, wasn't it? It was still illegal, yeah. And he was actually prosecuted for uh, homosexual acts and he was given a choice of either going to prison or being chemically castrated, um, oh which is no choice uh, at all. Um, and subsequently, he committed suicide um, by cyanide poisoning in 1954. Uh, most people say that it was related to that, mm-hmm. uh, if not, you know, directly due to that. Yeah. Which is a great shame. Um now he was pardoned um, in the uh, the two thousand um, later on uh, for that, and there was a retrospective pardon for all people who'd been prosecuted um, or alleged to be prosecuted for um, homosexual acts. So um, he never actually got to see the laws rescinded. He didn't. No, he never. In, it wasn't until nineteen sixty seven that, um, with the Sexual Offences Act, that it decriminalised sex between two men. Uh, but only over 21 and uh, in private. Didn't extend to the armed forces uh, or to Scotland or Northern Ireland. So, yeah, in the, in those uh, countries it still remained illegal. Um, and then you see over sort of a gradual drip over the next few decades where, you know, the other countries fall into line with that as well. Uh, the next sort of pivotal um, year and date was 1969 when the Stonewall riots happened in America. Uh, you had a number of gay bars in New York. Uh, one of them was the Stonewall Inn. And uh, the police raided it. Uh, men weren't allowed to dance, to be seen to be dancing together. Um, and it really started the activism right um, across the world for, for gay rights. Um, and Stonewall, you know, to this day is, is has its foundation and, and uh, does a lot of work with charities and activism uh, in countries where it's you know still illegal to be gay because uh, it is still illegal to be gay in 72 countries and it's punishable by death in 12 of those Um Smart, isn't it? So when people ask why do we still have pride, um, you know, I think it's really important to understand that we may be quite lucky in the UK. I think we're in the top four uh, percent in the world for mm-hmm. sort of equality, but there's still a lot of work to do with um, people across the world and, and support them so they know that they're not on their own. Um, so that's why it's still really important. I think that pride exists, um, and that's the that's the reason behind it. You know, pride started in the UK and America and stuff like that for for those reasons that yeah. other people are still fighting for now. Um, but there are there are lots of uh, lots of important dates um, in, over the past fifty years. I encourage people to look at um, whether you're gay, straight, lesbian, trans. Um, just because it's important to understand the history of where we've come from and uh, how quickly that can change as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you get a different government with different opinions come into power, it can be reversed. You know, laws can be changed; they're not set in stone. Yeah. Uh, so we still got some way to to go. And so we need to keep the conversation going. Absolutely. So what do you think in your experience, um, if we think about business, um, because that's obviously the focus of the podcast, um, how do we make um, workplaces truly inclusive? What kind of things can we all do collectively? I think it's just, you know, getting out there and, and, you know, sharing your story, things like this, I think are absolutely fundamental to making um, workplaces more inclusive and you know, the more that people talk, um, the more visible they are and therefore, you know, the braver other people who may be really struggling with it are able to kind of come out and, and say, yeah, I'm, I'm gay, I'm lesbian, I'm trans, I'm bi. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, you know, automatically I think that makes the workplace better and just more inclusive and just a more wonderful place for people to, to come to every day. Well, what would you add? Yeah, I would say that, you know, it's really important that um, companies start to look to be externally audited um, on where they're up to with their equality charters and stuff like that and what the policies are so that they can assess their progression, you know, towards LGBT inclusion. 
Um, if you're not tracking that somehow, uh, you know, externally, then you don't know where you're up to. Um, it's, it's all very well to feel like, oh, yeah, no, we feel like an inclusive place, but um, not everyone's comfortable to come forward and say that they don't feel included um, or that they've um, had something, um, you know, some sort of prejudice against them. Yeah. So it's important to have somebody external come in and, and you know, yeah. um, assess you on that. Or create a safe place that if that, yeah. that happens, yeah. whether it's um, through, um, you know, lack of self, lack of awareness, you know, where it's not intended to be discriminatory or offensive but uh, that happens that they also feel safe to be able to have that conversation with someone yeah and, and I think it's important as well for um you know what's referred to as straight allies to to go to events that uh you know LGBT people might be putting on in the workplace to show mm. that you have some support and that you're on side um and you know there's lots of empowerment programs out there that uh, different charities offer to companies where they'll come in and they'll talk to people about you know um Various different stuff like leadership, um, how they can get involved in local LGBT work groups and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So there's lots of things out there you can do to to make your company more inclusive. Yeah. And uh, you're part of a group internally at UK Fast that are actually on that journey um, with the All Equals Charter accreditation. Tell us a bit about that and what it involves so far. So, yeah, UK Fast um, have been working with Manchester Pride Charity for the past couple of years now. Uh, we actually had our first Pride in 2018, which was uh, really, really great to be involved in. Um, very exciting day. Um, and from that, the sort of the relationship between us and the charity have, has really prospered. And they've asked us to be one of 10 companies um, involved in their All Equals Charter and uh, to, to beta test it to start with um, and just, you know, just to get a feel for how they're going to progress that forward. Uh, so we've just been through uh, the, the audit ourselves and uh, it's been a really good journey and to go through that and also to get that external recognition of where we're up to, how we're doing as a company and where we can make, make improvements. Yeah, it's be interesting to see where that where that goes. So when did you come out and, and how was that experience? Rob, do you want to Sure, yeah. Um, so my first coming out experience was someone outing me in school. Uh, I was 14 years old at the time and I uh, had my own PC at home. I'd got myself uh, a Gaydar account when they used to exist. Gaydar. Some people may remember that. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> this is a learning experience Takes for me. Back. <laughs> yeah, and there was a guy... What is a Gaydar account, by the way? Oh, it's like old school. Like, there was Gaydar girls and then there was Gaydar. Yeah. There. Right. And, like, obviously we've got Tinder now, but yeah. back in those days, like, that, that was, was how, yeah, online Yeah, you just okay. set up your own profile yeah. and then you message each other okay. and it's, like, chat rooms and yeah. stuff like that. They really should have progressed that. Honestly, they should have. <laughs> that was on. They were under a winner. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. Were. So you'd um, set your own account up? Yeah, and uh, there was a guy in, in my year at school who was openly out um, and he'd seen me on there uh, and then decided to tell everyone at school. So I came went into school uh, this this morning and the sort of gossip going around was, oh, apparently you're gay. Um, I wasn't ready for that at that time in my life. Um, what age were you? 14. Yeah. Um, I'd known I was gay for since I was probably about 10 or 11. Um, you know, properly understood what it meant at that age. But I wasn't ready to start dealing with the world um, and people knowing that I was mm-hmm. gay at that time. Um, you know, at that age, you're still very much developing your character and who you are. Um, so it was a bit of a shock and I used the next Valentine's Day um, to buy some roses for a girl uh, to sort of offset the rumours. Yeah. It worked. Uh, so that put it off me having to come out in school um, for a few years. So the the next sort of time when I actually did it on my own terms, it was talking to my mum 
and I sort of built myself up to it. Uh, I went downstairs and I was like, Mum, there's something I need to tell you. And I just lost my voice and I was like, um, uh, and this just went on for like five, ten minutes. My mum's like, at this point, just, you know, a wreck of nerves. She thinks I've got someone pregnant mm-hmm. or, you know, I've, I've done something <laughs> really bad. <laughs> yeah. And then I eventually blurted it out. I was like, I'm gay. And she was like, is that it? Is that really it? And she just switched <laughs> the TV God back on. Um, and, you know, she just made me feel really um comfortable in my yeah. own skin at that point um my mum and dad have uh, been divorced for many many years um so the next uh, person to speak to was my dad um different experience of my dad when he found out that i was gay uh, he didn't talk to me for a year after that um 1950s kid you know worked in all male work gangs for 30 yeah. odd years um and you know was just was used to terms like shirtlifter fairy stuff like that mm. And he couldn't believe that his son was one of these shirtlifters. Um, and it was a big shock because me and my dad were really, really close. Mm. Uh, and very similar people as well. So I couldn't believe that it had gone that way with him. And it wasn't until uh, the next Christmas where on the Boxing Day I usually go to my dad's that my sister um, didn't know that all this had happened. And she said to my dad, like, where's Rob? And he's like, oh, he's, he's gay now, didn't you know? She was like, what does that matter? He's your son. This is ridiculous. And she used a few expletives that I won't repeat. Um, we haven't to him. <laughs> and, I get um, beeped all the time. <laughs> quickly, quickly whipped him into shape. And uh, she got him on the phone and said, oh, I'm going to put Dan on. Um, I've told him that he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you're his son. You're still the same person. And we started talking from that point. And now, you know, my dad is completely fine with it. Uh, me and my current boyfriend, we go around there, we stay over. He wants to know how he's doing. Um, so it's completely flipped, uh, you know, his opinion. I think he's just never been exposed to that side um, of, you know, sexuality. He didn't know about gay people. He just had assumptions in his mind yeah. of what, you know, what they were and what they were going to be like. Um, and, yeah, he's not like that now. So must have been incredibly difficult for, the, for that year that you weren't speaking to him. How did you get through that year? I'm quite strong-minded when it comes to stuff like that. So although it was difficult and it was a shock to start with, I kind of felt like, you know, you either accept me for all of who I am or you don't have me in your life, and that's your decision. So you come and speak to me when, you know, you, you've got around that in your head and then we can talk. And um, if he had never, you know, never decided to sort of accept me and come around to it, I guess I still wouldn't be speaking to him this day because I'm mm. going to be quite stubborn. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, it it was tough, obviously, you know, you don't want to lose um, that relationship with one of your parents. Um, But I felt like it was more important that I kept uh, being true to myself than it was to appease somebody. Um, It's obviously different for everybody else, though. I mean, some people I know, I have friends where they came out to their parents and from that day 20 years ago, they've not spoken to them since or they were kicked out when they were a teenager when they came out. Uh, My story is pretty good, really, compared to what some people's are so yeah the boxing day phone call must have been quite emotional where were you that day instead of being at your dad's um yeah that was the first and uh last year that i hadn't uh, ever been to my dad's on boxing day so it was it was strange um i think i was still at my mum's at the time and not to be there um it was hard um it was hard but ebony what about you um yeah it was really really hard um I was a single child. My mum passed away when I was 13. Um, And at that point, I went to go and live with my auntie and uncle, who I wasn't really particularly close to. Um, I was really close to, like, my cousins, um, but not to them. And I probably knew when I was in secondary school 
um, but I was a lesbian and um, I kind of really kept it to myself. I was really, really good at just internalising everything when I was in school and pretending everything was okay, including my home life as well. And um, I got kicked out when I was 17, um, which in some ways allowed me to be myself. For any particular reason? Um, Just didn't get on with my aunt and uncle and Mm -hmm. um, I think I paid the rent late one month and they just said get out. Okay. And um, I went and stayed with one of my childhood friends who's still a friend to this day um, and her mum was friends with my mum. And um, I think in some ways it allowed me to to be myself a little bit more. But I really struggled with whether my mum would accept it, which is quite weird, really, because, of course, by that point I was 17 years old. She'd not been around for for quite a few years. But that's what I struggled with was would she have accepted it? And um, I started working in a health club and just slowly started just being myself, I guess. And... um, I met someone and kind of fell in love, a bit romantic. But um, I just got to the point I couldn't hide it anymore. And actually I was in town walking with her, holding her hand, and my uncle actually walked past us and kind of did a double take. Um, And they accepted it. They were really positive, actually, which surprised me, I guess, because I wasn't close to them at all. Um, I'm still not that close to them. But they were like, oh, hi, nice to meet you, (laughs) sort of thing. So really, you know again positive um yeah they they really accepted it and they were great and they've been great whenever they have met anyone I've been with so we like to wrap the podcast up with some top pieces of advice for employers and um business owners and entrepreneurs who are trying to make their workplaces more inclusive uh, particularly for the lgbtq plus community so what would be your top takeaways that they could start going to implement from, into their businesses today so I did a little bit of research myself on this just to see what the general advice out there is that's given to companies. Um, Glassdoor have a really, really great article that I encourage people to Google. It's uh, 10 ways to support LGBT employees. And just to touch on a couple of the points that they made there is uh, that, you know, you need to make sure that you've got a really clear mission in your company about what you're trying to achieve and who you're trying to include. Um, you know, include training and education in this uh, and make sure you've got inclusion policies, you know, defined and they're easy to find and every, and everyone knows what they are and that they're taught well um, and that, you know, you're promoting uh, straight people to get involved as well. Uh, you know, it's not it's not supposed to be, um, you know, prejudice the other way around mm. where you start excluding straight yeah, people from these things for, as well. Yeah. Exactly. Because, um, you know, you can be in danger of doing that where you, yeah. you create these groups. Well, I'm groups. in the LGBT yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, So we do a really good job at that. Um, It's really important that you look to try and gain support from the top as well. Um, So, you know, get directors involved and make sure that people feel like it's not just a sort of a splinter group at the bottom of the Mm. company that are doing these things, that everyone from top to bottom are involved in this sort of stuff. Um, And if you can, like, try and support local LGBT communities by going to their local events, offering to volunteer, um, you know, sponsoring events that they're doing, stuff like that. Uh, you know, all charity work is obviously always appreciated by these uh, these groups. Um, and just making sure that you in, you give equal benefits to all of your employees. So they're, they're some of the key things that I took from that. Uh, but there is a more comprehensive list out there that, you know, you can look at yourself. Nice. Yeah. It's pretty much Rob's covered it. I think it's... it's good job, a, Rob. Yeah, good job, <laughs> Rob. Um, probably from a recruitment point of view is... is you know, talking about off some of the things that we spoke about earlier is just looking at your data. Who are you? 
who are you attracting? Why are you attracting that group of people? Are you, you know, inclusive and, and attracting everyone or, you know, you know, just creating, I guess, an environment that that means that, you know, someone who is, you know, gay or lesbian or bi or trans feels that there's barriers in the recruitment process that prevents them from being successful just because of that reason um so that's probably the only other thing i could think of other than all of the amazing things rob's covered yeah rob so this podcast is just the start of a series of events throughout the month of february and to celebrate lgbt history month um tell us what else is coming up yeah so at uk fast uh we're lucky to have um an auditorium here uh with a big screen uh so on wednesday the 19th of february um i believe about half six on the campus uh, we're doing an LGBT cinema night. Uh, the film's called A Deal with the Universe, and it's autobiographical documentary from transgender filmmaker Jason Barker. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's uh, a trans person's journey um, through pregnancy, actually. So it's uh, it's really interesting and not something I know much about myself either. So looking yeah. forward to that. Ebony, what else is happening? So on Friday the 28th of Feb, we are having a Wear the Colours Dress Town event where we're encouraging people to come in dressed in all of the Pride colours and we're going to be taking donations as well. For Manchester Pride. For Manchester Pride. Yeah. And Ooh. I think we're wrapping up that day with uh, something special, Rob. Yeah, we're going to put a twist on Bongo Bingo and do our own version of that. Yeah, um, legally LGBT different. Themed. Legally different. Vibes. <laughs> Uh, yes, of course, legally different. Um, nothing like it, actually. Um, <laughs> it's just going to be bingo. Yeah, it's just bingo, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, I think I've been asked to dress up as, like, Freddie Mercury or something like that. Oh my God. Nice. One of my idols, so I'm more than happy yes. to do that. I mean, not that you are po- you have a poncho for dress-up or taking fancy dress too seriously, as yeah. I've seen at the last two Pride parades. Mm, yeah, let's not go into that too much. <laughs> guys thank you very much guys and gals and peeps um, I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat thank you for um, sharing and dispelling some of the um, misunderstandings and educating us all on um, some of the journeys that have been yours and also um, across the LGBT community as a whole Um, for anyone that is going through that um, process themselves and having those concerns hopefully this podcast will give you a better night's sleep Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.